Welcome to the family with JB and Andy Bernard. And we'll be right back. Kick off hour two with the family. It's time for Team KQ Walzer's third annual Tour de Cure ride. Join me, Doug Sprinthal, Michael Bryant, and a ragtag group of riders as we raise money to fight diabetes. This year, the ride is Saturday, June 1st, and starts at Boom Island. We take the 26-mile route. It's a ride, not a race, so people of all abilities are welcome. It's a worthy cause that raises millions to support research for a cure for this terrible disease. Go to diabetes.org slash kqwalzer or email doug at walzer.com for more information. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? At, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Oh, treat me like a fool. <laughs> I'm doing my own uh, bumper music. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, second hour. Thank you again to John Hell for coming in. John is at Rick Brown's House Comedy tonight and tomorrow night, two shows each night. Anna Sorokin, the German con artist who passed herself off as a wealthy heiress to swindle banks, hotels, and even close friends as she lived out a high society Instagram ready fantasy in New York, was sentenced Thursday to four to 12 years in prison. The 28-year-old, who had played with her own tabloid image during the trial by wearing stylish dresses to court, looked uh, despondent as the verdict was announced. She uh, pressed her hand to her face and squeezed her eyes shut, appearing to hold back tears. Judge Diane Kiesel said Sorokin had been blinded by the glitter and glamour of New York City as she turned to fraud to finance life she could never afford. But she turned on a request by Sorokin's lawyers that she be sentenced to the time she has already spent in jail awaiting trial. I am stunned by the depth of this, the uh, defendant's deception, Keisel said. Sorokin was convicted last month on multiple counts of grand larceny and theft of services, has been in custody since her October 2017 arrest. Uh, moments before she was sentenced, Sorokin briefly addressed the court saying, I apologize for the mistakes I made. Don't tell a judge you made a mistake. That's right. not a good idea. Well, that, and it's not a mistake. Those are, yeah, those are bad choices, yeah, you can say, but... It's, it's not, not like, oops, I accidentally stole millions yeah. of dollars. That is unbelievable. She claimed it was a mistake. Yeah. Sorokin went by Anna Delvey when she defrauded financial institutions and Manhattan celebrities into believing she had a fortune of $67 million overseas that could cover her jet-setting lifestyle, high-end clothing, and lavish hotel stays. She falsely claimed her father was a diplomat or an oil baron, falsified bank records, forged her identity to further the scam, in all, prosecutors accused her of stealing some $275,000, including a $35,400 bill she failed to pay for a plane she tar- chartered to and from the Berkshire Hathaway shareholders meeting in Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> she went to great lengths to ensure others paid her way, even as she had not a cent to her name, as far as we can determine. Prosecutor Kath, how do you get in a position like that? I mean, how do you tee yourself up like that? People are gullible. Yes, they are. People are just, you know, and they all want to hang out with rich and famous people mm-hmm. and all that stuff. They're just gullible. Well, and it's like those scams where they say, oh, uh, you give me $1,000 right now and I'll give you $10,000 mm-hmm. later. It's that's obviously too good to be true. Right. But people are always just thinking, oh, wow, that's super easy money. I should do it. 
to scam everybody out of it. Because I'm looking at her. She's not any, you know, it's not some raving beauty or something. She's not a bad looking woman, but she's not some knockout, you know, dazzling everyone with her beauty or anything like that. Uh, she's just a good talker, I guess. People want to be around famous people, rich people. I guess. I don't. You know what? I would rather do the exact opposite. Yeah, that's how I am. I would rather run the other way and hang out with the... Well, it was just like when I uh, did that uh, one-day work at uh, Mighty Ducks 2. Yeah. Emilio Estevez Estevez, Estevez ate lunch with us, the extras, because he said he hated the... the oh, actors. I, I understand. Emilio Estevez is a really good guy. Yeah, he's, he's said, a really he, good guy. And he did. He sat there and had lunch with us. Yeah, I could I could believe that because he's uh, he's a really really good guy. He's working a lot for for the homeless right now, and I, and really for the homeless, not this fake Hollywood homeless deal right. where, oh yes, I haven't been in my house in an hour. It means I'm homeless. Like, come on, man. I want to run this by you guys and see what you think of this story. Facebook is used to hearing complaints that it's too big and powerful. Just last month, for instance, 2020 candidate Elizabeth Warren argued that it needed to be broken up, but never has a complaint come so forcefully from someone who's so instrumental to the company's very creation. In a lengthy op-ed in the New York Times, co-founder Chris Hughes, yes, Mark Zuckerberg's old dorm mate at Harvard, makes the case, details, and coverage. Main point, it's time to break up Facebook, writes Hughes. He calls it a monopoly of mammoth scale and said it never should have been allowed to buy Instagram and WhatsApp. The American government needs to do two things, break up Facebook's monopoly and regulate the company to make it more accountable to the American people. I couldn't agree more. And I was telling people, um, apparently they they can tap into you anytime they feel like it. They can turn your cameras on and do whatever. And I had a little, for a long time, just... Just right there under where my finger is, mm-hmm. there's a little camera there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it was on for a while, but then I looked in and went, turn that damn thing off. Hasn't been on since. Mm. So I don't know if they were listening or somebody <laughs> got around to it finally or whatever, but I just, I literally said, stop watching me. If that actually happened, I would wipe your phone because you have a virus. I have a virus? Well, yeah. Yeah, somebody put malware on there to spy on you. Well, why is it off now then? Because they know that you know. Well, how do I wipe it off? Do I have to wipe out everything? Uh, probably safe, yes. So I have to wipe out everybody's phone number and everything else? The contact information, no. You just want to do a factory reset on the phone. Could you do that for me? Uh, you don't want me to do it right now. Why not? Because your phone will be unusable for, like, hours. Ooh, how about the whole weekend? <laughs> that could work. Better. That does not going to work the whole week. But it hasn't been on in like a week or something. Hmm. So I don't know what that's all about. In any case, uh, yeah, getting back to Facebook, uh, Chris Hughes wants it shut down. The American government needs to do two things, break up Facebook's monopoly and regulate the company to make it more accountable to the American people. On Zuckerberg, uh, Mark is a good, kind person, he writes, and in many ways the same guy Hughes would watch hugging his parents goodbye at Harvard the same guy who fell in love with his future wife while in line for the bathroom at a party, but Zuckerberg's power is now dangerously excessive, Hughes writes. His influence is staggering, far beyond that of anyone else in the private sector or in government, because he controls what billions of people around the world see and hear. That is terrifying, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why did they ever let that? Why does our government let these things happen? I don't know. I mean, it started off as a nice thing for people to communicate with each other and whatnot. I mean, it's it's great for me being so far away, my siblings and, and their families and whatnot, to stay in contact with them. But, um, but then it allowed all the politics and money-making and all that other stuff. And when all that stuff starts to come in the door, then it, it goes wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, that's exactly right. All right, we're in big trouble. Uh-oh. Well, you live in a condo, though. Yes. So you're safe. Andy, you live in a townhome, so you're mm-hmm. safe. I'm screwed. Apparently, when purchasing a home, Eric Holthouse looked for the smallest lawn I could find. It'll mean less work, though not as it relates to mowing, since Holthouse plans to rip out my grass as soon as possible. He suggests you do the same. It's time to culturally stigmatize the classic Overwatered, overfertilized, overmowed American lawn, because lawns are awful for the planet. Our lawns awful for the planet. This is 
Well, they're not. California is wasting all their water on lawns, and they want right. you to pay for it. Well, then you shouldn't live there. Well, yeah. And the other thing is all the chemicals to keep the grass green and whatnot. Yeah, I've yeah, never understood do. doing that, yeah, spreading either. crap all over your lawn. It's like it kills weeds, but it's good for grass. It's like how could that, Right. you know, there has to be so many compounds in there that you don't know how they're interacting. Yeah, but see, here's the other part of it. While he mentions certain lawn benefits, they reduce urban heat and trap small amounts of carbon dioxide. He sees more disadvantages in the water used to keep them green, the chemicals used to eliminate weeds, and the pollution from a lawnmower. Well, not if you have an electric lawnmower. Yeah. Or a push one. Or a push lawnmower. Or a push lawnmower. It might seem a small issue when considering one lawn, but Curbed reports lawns cover 2% of the continental United States, an area the size of Nebraska. And three times more land than corn. I don't not believe in that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know about that. If we're talking about like literally all grass, then yeah. maybe. Then but maybe, like yeah. lawns, I don't I think so. I don't think so either. I mean, like technically in Dayton, we had like, what, a six acre lawn, but it was also not really a lawn. No, no. That's we didn't do anything true. to it except for let the horses keep it short. Yeah, <laughs> they ate the grass and kept it short. No doubt. No, no. Doesn't grass breathe in carbon just like trees and everything else? Yes, it does. Okay, so what about that benefit? I don't know. We're not going to deal with the benefit of uh, the grass? Well, we never hear the benefits because then it shoots down their their Mm -hmm. argument. So One of my favorite things going on right now is Hardee's has a campaign right now that I just love. Yes. Isn't that a great campaign? (laughs) Save a plant. Save a plant. All you get is a bun. And the meat, not <laughs> one vegetable. <laughs> no lettuce, no tomato, no vegetables. It's fantastic. And he's watering tomato plants. That's the great part of it. <laughs> I like it a lot. Uh, but in any case, uh, grass, therefore, tops corn is the largest ir- irrigated crop, and maintaining it isn't cheap. Americans spend more than $36 billion every year on li- I'm not buying that either. $36 billion a year? That sounds high, but I know people yeah. spend a lot of money on... I know my old man had a labor force that he kept, and it's and it's funny because there's a fam. We have a family um, uh, uh, text Whoa. line going, and every once in a while, there's, somebody needs to go over and cut the grass over at, over at the house. Well, who lives in the house now? Uh, have a cousin that lives because it was a duplex. Cousin that lives downstairs, and so nev- you you grew up in a duplex. Yes. Oh, okay. I didn't but know. I, we never knew the term duplex. We called it upstairs and downstairs. Oh, so you had the whole house, but you used upstairs and downstairs. Yeah, we we had uh, at one point cousins who lived downstairs. Oh, okay. And then we had to have them leave and then my sister when she got married her and her husband lived there and then another sister lived there and so there's been other relatives in and out of there but right now there's a cousin the lower and a nephew in the upper oh really yeah so did this family own the house or you yes oh you do own it okay it was uh it was in an area of st louis called the it's in an area of st louis called the ville which is short for village and that's where Doctors, lawyers, and other black professionals lived at the time. In the village? Yeah, it was called the Ville. The Ville. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, and now... As far as I didn't know that. Now the the Ville is almost... I mean, it's like looking at a, you know, a old drunk teeth. Like, there's a tooth here and then a big gap and a tooth <laughs> there. It's like there's a house there. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah. And there's a house here. My neighborhood is pretty still stable with houses, but you go in some, there's like, there's a city block and there's one house sitting there. One house. Mm, and every, unbelievable. every acre of land is owned by somebody. Really? But it's not developed. But it's not developed. So I know why that is. I, and I asked, I said, so why are you guys buying? Because I have friends who are buying vacant lots. I said, what's your plan? Oh, wait till somebody buy it. And it's like, but there's so much unused land here. What do you think you're going to get? I said, you're not going to get anything. That there's too much supply. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's right. No demand. There's no they demand. Don't, they don't supply. understand yeah. supply and demand. No, absolutely I mean, right. Basic economics. And it's like you'll get pennies on the dollar from from this on this because it's not – I mean, my the duplex, when my parents died, we had it 
valued $47,000. What year? That was 2014. Mm. 47 grand for a duplex? That was it. And I told my my siblings, I said, that same house here would be almost 200 and something thousand dollars. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about that. Although I do remember on 26th Avenue North, the house is not there anymore, I don't think. I don't think it's there anymore. But my mother, the last house she owned in North Minneapolis, she was going to sell it. And I said, well, how much did you pay for this house? She goes, 16500 And I said, well, you might get that for it. <laughs> and I think she sold it for like twenty grand or something. Yeah, the, the, the property in, in, in that area just was worthless. Right. I mean, you know, it's just the way things were, went, you know. My, um, it was, the house was given to my dad by his father who was a Baptist minister and, a, right, and yeah. a garbage man. Right. And I love he, that Baptist minister and a garbage, garbage man. man. He built a different house uh, in a different area of St. Louis, and he gave it to my dad. So he, he the one thing he inherited from his dad was a house to raise his family in. So, You know, we're going to take a break in about one minute, but in the, in the second bit I want to talk to you about basically uh, at least one of the – one of the things about being black in America today, because I have to ask you, because I was talking to a couple of friends of mine yesterday, and you don't know them, but a couple of black guys, African-American guys with, you know, yeah. that I grew up with, and they made a really funny comment, and I want to get your take on this as well. I, I mentioned it briefly on the morning show this morning, but it's just, I don't know, it seems to me that right now, it's just so odd the way people are treating them. It's like black people have become a human shield, you know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I want to get your take on that, because I'll, I'll tell you what their take on, on okay. was. It was absolutely phenomenal, I thought. We will be back in just a couple of minutes, ladies and gentlemen, with part two, hour two, with the family. It's Tom Bernard with North American Banking Company CEO and my buddy, Michael Bilski. Michael, let's say somebody has a plan to expand their business this year. How can North American Banking Company get that job done? At North American Banking Company, we'll take time to understand the customer's needs and wants and their plans for the future. Once we have a good understanding of that, we'll try to solve their financing dilemma. We won't take a cookie cutter approach to any financing situation. Wonderful. So if I need cash to expand my podcast, you got a plan for me too? No. (laughs) (laughs) God, thank you. I see where this is going. Well, we love working with you. We can help any business, including a podcast that's already very successful. Who's better than you? That's what I want to know. You I still are. never liked you, though. You are. No, I never. Don't try to make up. I don't. <laughs> Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. Spring is here, and there's no better time to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me. And it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they want to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK spring savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today. Or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them I sent you and save 500 bucks on your LASIK. Offer expires June 21st, 2019. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offers. There we go. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. JB with us. Andy's here. I'm here. Everybody else. Is, it's just too nice out. It's partly sunny in 60s. Everybody's like, yeah, well, I'm waiting out here. I guess so. Yeah. In any case, so I ran into a couple of friends yesterday, and we we're talking about this, that, and the other thing. And and this whole uh, thing in the, at the University of Minnesota, your hangout. <laughs> University of Minnesota, where they're actually bragging about they've opened up the, the Board of Regents to diversity. And I thought, you know what's interesting about that? And I brought this up on the air this morning. Since day one for 34 years now, the KQ Morning Show has been diverse, but we never made 
an announcement <laughs> that it was going to be diverse. You know what I mean? We never went, oh, we brought in another Negro. You know? <laughs> what? And so we I, have a woman, and we have this. And yeah, we have uh, now the KQ Morning Show with two Jews. <laughs> I mean, I saw that article in the Star Tribune, and it was, it was embarrassing to read. So you yeah. people are actually using people of color as a human shield now, aren't you? Well, it's, it's a way of... Inclusion should happen naturally like it happened on the KQ Morning Show. Yeah, it should be natural. It should be natural. It's being forced because they know there's money tied to it. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. There's money tied to it, and they're using black people and Asian, Asian people and, and Spanish women. people and women to make money. Well, it, it's, it's disgusting. Funny. I can't believe they're making that statement where uh, Regent Omar has been, been on the board for four or five years now. He's, he's stepping away or his term is up, I guess. Well, isn't Michael uh, what, the, what the Asian man? Yeah. Done? Uh, what about uh, him? Yes, I was going to bring him up. Uh, Regent, <laughs> like, I think it's what? been it's H S U. I think it's Shu. Shu, I think yeah. it's Shu. Yeah, yeah. He's he's been on the the board for a while, but it's such a political crony. There's no doubt about it. Deal. Actually, you'll find this humorous, and I have the rejection letter in a frame in my man cave. I actually applied for the board of regents once just to Why see. Why didn't you? Just to Why see. Why wouldn't what, you? see what the process was about and all i got was the rejection letter but still um i just wanted to see because you know you have to there's a formal application and i went through all that i just wanted to see because part of it was i um at that time there was nobody of color and the other thing was the way the border region treated the athletic department i was just like well maybe if i somehow i wound up by some miracle on there i can actually explain something to those people because they don't know right i mean so i ran these two friends uh yesterday they're both black i grew up with them and he comes up to me goes tommy man you got to get on (laughs) on your show and talk about this i said talk about what because all these people, man, some of these white people are using us. They're using us a human shield. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, well, that thing last night on the news. I watched the news last night. I said, oh, we're lucky. We found a black guy that plays the violin. <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw that this morning with the, with the University of Minnesota. Now, uh, let me explain this again. So when the show started, uh, Mark Rosen was already on it. And right. Mark Rosen is Jewish, and Lee Alsvik was already on it. Just doing traffic, though, she was not included in the conversations, which then she was later included in the conversations. When you and Philip came on the show, you both asked to come on the show. I didn't come to you and go, we need a black person. Why don't you come in? Actually, I didn't ask. You asked me, but you didn't ask me to come on as a black person. Come you, on as a black person. You, you asked me to come on because when we met, we talked for a half an hour. Yeah, at the Gopher basketball Gopher game. basketball game, and um, you said, "Hey, I like the stories you tell. You want to come on air and tell them?" Yeah, so it was to come on the show as a guest, right? And then you just kind of stayed on the show, right? So it wasn't like, "Well, I have to go out and get some women and a black guy and some more Jews, and then May Young's Asian, so that'll yeah. be." It was nothing like that. It was like whoever wants to be on the show, you have a voice. Come on the show. I don't really understand. How this all happened. And, and I think the reason I'm paying such close attention to that right now is what Charlize Theron did with her two kids. You talk about a human shield, man. Do you know about this? No. She adopted two African-American kids, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them's seven now, and the other one is four now. She claims that they both, they're two African-American boys. And she claims when they were three, when the seven-year-old was three, and when the four-year-old was three, they both told her, I'm not a boy. Okay? So she's raising two African-American boys as girls just because a little three-year-old said, I'm not a boy. I'm not a boy. Which all three-year-olds say things like that. At some point. Now, here's the other bad part. And their parent goes, yeah, no, you're a boy. And the yeah. world continues. <laughs> but, but see, there's nothing in it for Charlize Theron if she does right. that. So she says, I'm proud to be raising two African-American girls. And she, she keeps talking about that. And again, if they are girls, good for them. That's, right. I'm not criticizing that but, at all. But, but what are the odds of her adopting Not two? a chance. Right. Not a chance. Now, here's where, it come, here's where it, it comes storming home why she's even doing this. Because her movie sucked, by the way. Nobody went to see it, and it was a total disaster. But 
she now is saying, after that, she's saying, the sad thing about it is, I may have to leave America because I just don't like the way the black people are treated in America. <laughs> to move to South Africa? <laughs> okay there, Charlize. And so. that's where she's talking about moving yeah. to? Yeah. Well, does she not understand world history? Certainly <laughs> <laughs> not. She is claiming. That, does she not know about apartheid? She, yeah, apartheid might want to mention to her. Um, she's literally claiming now that she, angel that she is, mm-hmm. has saved two young black girls who used to be boys or still, I don't know how to even, and once again, she, if they are, they are. I don't, I don't care. That, that disturbs me. It's because, disgusting. Because there, somebody should be able to sit down and say and talk to them. And one of maybe is identifying as a different gender. Good for them. Right. But to have two, yeah. I'm not buying I'm not buying it. Yeah. Either. It's way I too mean, coincidental. I mean, it's just more, hey, I have this, so I gain status from it. And I have this because I gain, and and I'm going to gain status for it. All she's doing is propping herself up. That's and, all she's doing. Right. It's 100% correct. That's all she's doing is propping <laughs> herself up. One of my favorite stories as far as politicians being concerned and all that stuff well, Huey Long, Kingfish, I think it was called, mm-hmm. down, in, down in Louisiana. Yes. A reporter, he said this live on television. A reporter comes up to him and says, uh, Mr. Long, you think you got the uh, governorship wrapped up? And he said, and I quote, I got it made unless they find me with a dead girl or a live boy. <laughs> it was a little bit of a different world back then, wasn't it? Yeah, but... but- but so you. But how does that come full circle? Who you're with, yeah, and what you do, sinks your campaign. I know. What you've done in the past, or if you've broken the law and if you've abused people, that's one thing. But just because you yell funny shouldn't cost you a campaign. Yeah, I would think that's absolutely right. So basically, you're saying that that I my take on it is pretty much. What my two friends were talking about yesterday, you oh, agree yeah. with that. How are they getting away with this? That Because black people, well, not just black people, but all people of color, all orientations, the gender issue and all the rest of it. How do they not see they're being used as a human shield to protect some pig actor? They know they are. They just don't care because well, it's I money. Would, yeah. I wouldn't say they don't care. I would say that. They know that they possibly could be giving up something. Yeah. That lifestyle, that money. People will that, always choose easy living the, over or morals the, or, or the shiny kind of bauble thing. or whatever. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about black leadership more than the black people themselves. Why isn't black leadership standing up and saying, hey, man, this is, you're using us? There's no money in it. Well, I guess it's That's, all about money, isn't right. it? Right. That or That's terrible. there's nothing to gain from it yeah. or. Well, except you know. for like self-respect, but yeah. that you can't trade that, so no one wants it. One thing I will tell you, this JB and I was—I talked about this before, but I, I, I did not know this. But watching television and the commercials and all that stuff, I didn't realize that the United States was ninety-five percent black now. <laughs> Every person on TV is black now, which is great. I mean, I don't have any problem with that it's, either. It's it's, it's weird because I, I I look at the commercials and now it, it's gone full blast. Oh yeah, with, it's uh, full bore. Gay couples, uh, yep. mixed race families, um, single dads, and they are selling stuff to any anybody and everybody they can. They're not missing a beat on who they're trying to touch and who yep. they're trying to reach to, which is great. But then there's a piece of it where it feels so phony too. Oh God! Yes. You know, you look at a commercial, you goes, "Oh, great that." Mixed family, and then you 30 seconds later, you're like, so did this happen naturally, or did they sit back and go, exactly right? Did we want a white dad and a black wife and a mixed race kid and this, that, and the other? And and now we can sell life insurance, it's just to make themselves look better, right? It doesn't benefit black people, it doesn't benefit anybody except for the people who are selling the product, right. It's disgusting to me. There's a there's a former gopher uh, football player from the 90s, and he's a model, and and he's always posting stuff on Facebook. And the last 
line is hashtag keep peddling. Keep, <laughs> keep peddling? <laughs> and the first time I read it, it's like, he didn't mention anything about riding a bike. And then I yeah. went, wait a minute. He's talking about keep selling the crap that I'm selling. Yeah. Because that's what it's all about for It him. is. I mean, isn't that amazing? I that, know. that is a fact, though. That's what it's all about. So, so I, I mean, here's the problem that I have. If it happens organically, naturally, that's when it's great. Right. But when they force the issue, it's so obvious you're trying to make yourself look better. It's not about the people that on the screen. It's about you trying to make yourself mm-hmm. look better. Oh, look how all accepting I am. How What a wonderful person I am. And it's gotten like, to a point where God. you can't tell anymore, which is yeah, also, pretty the much sad, true. also the sad thing. I mean, you and I have talked about this for years, the, the amount of... I wouldn't say abuse, but tongue lashing I would take from people who would claim that I was propping you up. And it's like... No, I, yeah, they thought I was a flat-out racist. Right, and I was an Uncle Tom, and I'd be like, no, I can go on that show and say whatever the heck I want to say. You're not very Uncle Tommy. They need to know you better. <laughs> I, I, why do they think I'm racist? Because you're willing to at least address address the issue of race. But it's and not for racist. A lot, a lot of people think that's racist to begin with. They do. Yes. So for me to talk to you about black issues and our people, black people being used is racist. In their mind. In yeah. their mind. That's yeah. insane. Right. It can only, to educate people is always a good thing. Instead, in their world, they turn a blind, blind eye to it and don't yeah. discuss it. And, yeah. and their thought is, I'm not racist because I don't talk about it. There was a kid that called in yesterday because we had Pete Hegseth on. Uh, the guy from Fox News on Saturday and Sunday mornings. He's from mm-hmm. Minnesota originally. He grew up in uh, Forest Lake. Really good guy. You know, he's conservative. Yeah. And, and uh, the young man, the kid who called in, a kid named Sam. He you know, call him a kid. He's in his 20s, actually. But, you know, and he was a great caller. And I asked him to call into the morning show and call back on this show. And, and he thought, and I guess at one point, Pete Hegseth called Elizabeth Warren Pocahontas, but I didn't hear him do that. See, there are a number of things that people don't understand because I'm not in the same building in the same studio with everybody else. Right. I don't hear some things that everybody else hears. Right. Like today, they ran some audio, uh, and I went, what are we doing? Because I couldn't hear anything, right? That does happen. So I didn't know, but Sam thought, and I don't know why this was, but Sam thought I also called her Pocahontas, which I didn't do. So... It is interesting, and like I said, Sam's a very smart young guy, and he seemed like a really decent person. I really enjoyed talking to him, but I think people get it in their brains. It's like, Tom's a racist. Yeah, he would do something like that, you know, which is, isn't that a pretty important uh, designation to hang on somebody, a racist? Well, and when you talk about racism and all isms, you're talking about bias, Right. And that's what they're doing. They're being biased. That's exactly right. I, it just Cause doesn't they, make any sense. They, they've never sat down and had a conversation with you. No. So they're taking snippets of something that they may probably heard secondhand or thirdhand at and that point. probably made up. Or And half of it's made up. It's just like the old game telephone. You yeah, know, right, It's all right. changed. By the time it gets to you, yeah, that's right. right. That's right. And um, they... Make a decision based on that alone. Yeah, which is not really all that bright. That's not smart to do at all. <laughs> no. It just isn't. So, I, really, I'm glad I can talk to you about this. You know, and that's the other thing. I talk to Phil about this stuff, talk to you about it, my other friends and all the rest of it. They all seem to understand. I have never actually had a black person. Well, one person did, like Khalid Muhammad. Who, what would it be? He was the NAACP guy? I think so. And he called me a racist one time. He's the only black person to ever called me a racist that I know of. And I don't know, you know what again, was in it for him. There was some benefit for him. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, you know, I'm glad I'm able to talk to you about this. And I'm glad that these people can hear us talking about this. Right. Because not everybody is psychotic like Hollywood. Hollywood has lost its mind. Yeah, but again, all of their decisions are based on what movie role is it going to get. Or yeah, what, that's exactly right. What awards it's going to get them or this, that, and the other. Yeah, right. And that's just not the way the world – and the problem is yep. the, the country has now started to think and act that way too. Oh, there's no doubt about that. No, you're absolutely right about that. We'll take a break. Be right back. Final segment coming up <laughs> right after this with the family. 
What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house. Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home. We have been presenting offers for homes in most price ranges. Homeowners are loving our guaranteed offer program, especially how much money they are making on their home sale without the inconveniences. So this program is for all price ranges and conditions, including perfectly maintained homes? Most homes do qualify. To see if your home qualifies, go to chrislindahl.com and click Get Offer right now. Will you be the next homeowner to accept an offer from our guaranteed offer program? Find out now. If you qualify, you will get an offer in 48 hours or less, and the best part is you get to pick a closing date that is convenient for you and close in as little as three weeks. Go to chrislindahl.com right now to see if you qualify or call 763-401-SOLD. That is 763-401-SOLD. Tom here. You've heard me talking about how I've lost 92.5 pounds in less than five months thanks to the Nutramost Wellness Plan. Nutramost uses breakthrough technology that customizes the plan, giving you the tools to lose weight and keep it off. One of the many reasons that it works is that you eat real food the entire time. So after you hit your goal, you'll know exactly what to order at restaurants and what to buy at the grocery store. This doesn't happen with a diet plan where you drink shakes, eat prepackaged foods, or take drugs. Find out how and why Nutramost is unlike any other weight loss plan by scheduling your immediate consultation or attending the Nutramost free dinner at 6.30 p.m. on Monday, May 6th at Jake's in Plymouth. I'll see you there. Nutramost guarantees that you lose 20 pounds or more. Nutramost helped me change my life, and they can help you too. Register for the Nutramost dinner or schedule your immediate consultation. Call 763-333-7337. That is 763-333-7337. What is this for? Is this for my computer? Yeah, I believe so. That's your power cord. It's un- been unplugged the whole time. <laughs> well, hey, that means you got decent battery life. Yeah, yeah. battery now. Okay, you going to take our picture now? <laughs> JB and I are taking a picture. Yep. Now, are you are you in or are you a candidate? I will. She wants to nominate me for the the Black, Black Radio, Radio Hall of Fame. How yes. come I'm not in there? Well, actually, because of you and your, you know, being in the National Broadcast Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm expedited this oh it did yes because i was just telling her about the show and this that and the other and then i mentioned because we were instant messaging on there and i oh, said okay. yeah yeah and the lead guy tom bernard's in the national radio and the minnesota radio broadcast hall of fames she came back the next day and she was like i need this and i need this and i need this <laughs> and I was like what all right, you ready to take, we're going to take a picture for the National Black Radio Hall of Fame. Yeah. There, there you go. And it may, all may be is that I get a mention and KQ gets a mention for... Um, well, what if you get in, though? <laughs> God help me. Uh, that KQ would get a mention for, for it, so... Um, Making sure. Ansel, right. Ansel Adams over there is taking pictures, man. Yeah. You got it? Uh, let's see, y'all. And it's yep. fun, because I'm looking at that photo, that painting. Yeah, the painting, right. And the way the artist signed it, it almost looks like... Oh, uh, yeah, it does. <laughs> that I said it's my last name. Yeah. Oh, it does, really? Yeah. <laughs> I can't quite see it. Yeah, it looks like a- J. Blackshear, or A. Blackshear. Well, maybe you mm-hmm. did paint it. It's a little fish swimming in the ocean. Well, it could have been my kid. Could have been. <laughs> you don't know. You know, he's an artist, but... Oh, well, oh I didn't know he was an artist. Yeah, his, he, his degree is in graphic arts. But yeah, that I knew. He, he graduated from the uh, School of Art in, in, at UMD. So huh. when are we going to find out if you got in? I don't know. Whenever she tells me. <laughs> so how do you know this woman? We went to high school together. Oh, in St. Louis? Yes. So, oh, and you were just on the phone with her? No, I was. She's always posting stuff on Facebook about. Oh, that's the, right. You said it on Facebook. And I just reached out to her and said, "Hey, Felicia, I don't know if you know, but I was on radio for 22 years here in Minneapolis." Why don't you get me in there? I want to be in the Black Radio Hall. <laughs> it's the only one I'm not in. Well, I said, I said Tom has such an urban voice. People think he's black. Yeah, I do. Because it's <laughs> raspy or something. I don't know what right. it is. I don't have a white guy voice, do I? Oh God! Listen to you. I mean, what does that even mean? I know, uh, but nothing. I mean, 
We, uh, when I say we, most black people would know that you're white, but most white yeah. people probably think no, you're white. No, that's exactly right. Which that's is 100% odd. percent true. Right. 100% true. Melissa Denton concedes the decision she made in early 2018 after being dumped by her longtime boyfriend, which came on the tail of two divorces, was a wacky one. But as the UK woman explains in an opinion piece for The Telegraph, I needed to learn to love myself before I'd be able to attract the right people. That decision led to the best day of my life, the day she married herself. Oh, God. <laughs> he goes, oh, mm. God. Well, it is, oh, God, you're right. Mm-hmm. Denton details her move to self-wed, sologamy. Did you know sologamy, Andy? Uh, I mean, that makes sense, but sologamy. I doubt it's real. By first outlining how she'd been consistently moving on from, uh, or constantly, excuse me, moving on from man to man, starting with her first marriage in her early 20s. For years, I had poured myself into relationship after relationship, losing myself in the process, she writes. It was after a Christmas Eve breakup text from her boyfriend. He texted her on Christmas Eve. What a prick. He didn't want to buy any presents. Yeah, I guess not. Cheap, cheap presents. Uh, more than five years at Denta. It was her boyfriend of five years, dumped her on Christmas Eve. Yeah, he definitely, he either didn't want to buy presents or he didn't want to see her family again. Or he wanted to hurt her. Right. Uh, well, probably all three. That's probably true. She started to take stock in what she was doing on the love and self-care front. It was time to put me first, a way to affirm that I can be happy on my own and to move on from the relationship. She bought herself a nice size rock engagement ring, spent six months planning a a $5,000 blowout wedding, and transformed from Miss Denton to Mrs. Denton in front of her friends and family, including her 11-year-old son and 15-year-old daughter. For the first time in my adult life, I was single and happy, she writes. The experience was empowering. Rather than wasting my time, energy, and love on someone else, I was putting myself first. Now I, I have a feeling you've that. been doing a lot of putting yourself first, mm-hmm. but... Well, there's no picture okay. of it. Uh, with this ring, I me wed, is what she said, apparently. Mm. You know what's so weird about that whole situation is I, Catherine and I have been together now. I met her, I'm thinking back now, I met her... 38 years ago and we're celebrating our 35th wedding anniversary july 7th and it's so foreign to me to i mean like to be not with her would be really it would be really really weird you know what i mean right but you know i was talking to pete hexeth yesterday he was talking on the air but the fact that he's been married twice he's been through a couple marriages and hopefully you know so i don't know what what is it now 52 or 53 percent of marriages end in divorce now is that Something about right? Like that. Yeah, I was thinking to think about that. I got I have a couple of friends that that uh, are with the same woman they married, uh, but I think most of the people I know are on their second or even third marriages. And then there's Doug Sprinthal. I think he's on his like seventy fifth or seventy sixth something in there. No, I think it's his third. I think he, yeah, his current wife, his wife for life, as he says now. I think it's his third. So it's very very common. Yeah, but. You know, do you really have to spend five to ten grand to tell people you love yourself? No, I would mm. agree with that completely. And that you're comfortable with being single. I mean, I've, and it's weird. I've recently finally said, I'm okay with this. If it doesn't, if I don't meet anybody else for the rest of my life, I'll be fine. Said I have two wonderful kids. Yeah, you do. At one point, I hope they. One of them will give me grandchildren. I don't know about that oldest one. Boy, is he moving slow. Anyway. What? Um, what? <laughs> Where is he? He's going back to, I'm talking about John. Yeah. He's going back to school. Oh, he is? I didn't know that. And tell me how big a degree this is. He's getting an accelerated degree in coding. In coding? Yeah. Hmm. Coding is actually not super hard to learn as long as you're willing to, like, you know. Put in the time. Put in the, yeah. It's a lot of rote memorization is what it is. Yeah, you have to know exactly what all the op codes are. I don't, I don't think they call them op codes 14, anymore. 14 month degree. Yeah. In coding. Now where, where is he doing Depend- it? At it, the it also of Minnesota. Oh, depends okay. on what coding language he's learning. Because it's a program where you have to be selected. Ah. Oh, you do? Yeah, it's not like you sign up for and you pay. You actually have to apply and be interviewed and then be selected. So, God, that's pretty cool. you got to be proud of him for yeah, that. Yeah, I am. I just wish I understood it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I have no idea what the hell you're even talking about. He started telling me. I I got no, like, I got there's no a job. lot of jobs for it, though. Is there? Oh, yeah, he's not ever going to... Uh, 
be hurting for employment. And oh, then on top one. of having a graphic arts degree, that probably would help them too. I would yeah. take it. Why didn't you do that, Andy, get in coding if there are so many jobs? I know how to code a little. I don't have a degree in it, though. Well, get a degree in 14 months? Yeah. Uh-huh. Only if I can go to trade school, though. <laughs> trade coding. We have a caller, by the way. All right. And the caller is? Hello. Hello. Uh, this is a first. Wow, I hear an echo. Um, yeah, I need to fix that. Caller. My name is Myron. Hey, Myron, how are you? I'm, um, <coughs> I'm fantastic. Uh, wow, this echo is really weird. Um, I'm a I'm a mailman, and I just uh, this is the first time I've ever been able to listen to you live. I've always been hearing it weeks or days after. And oh, okay. Right. I just wanted to call and say uh, I really appreciate your program. Well, it's and, very nice uh, of you. Thank you. But just to let you know also that there's not enough femininity, femininity on today. Well, you got that right. I mean, you yeah, got but... Catherine taking a day off. Alex doesn't come in on Fridays. Cassie is out uh, with her husband in Los Angeles. She'll be back on Monday, though. So, yeah, on Monday we'll have uh, Catherine and Alex and Cassie back. So it'll be a much better show than Myron. Oh, that's good. That's good. No, I just I just wanted to say hi, uh, just to let you know I've been listening to you for a long time, and uh, it's I just really enjoy your show. Well, thank and, you, Myron. Uh, and by the way, we just moved I, studios this week, so the next time you call in, hopefully we'll have the hard wire, the hard line in for the phone, so it won't echo like that. We we just we just moved on Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's just. Uh, I want to let you know sometimes when you know when we're delivering mail in the middle of the winter and you're down in Florida. It's just, yeah, you know. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what do you, you mean for Christmas? <laughs> Boy, look at the time, Myron. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know it's time for me to go too. Thanks no, for the no, comment, Myron. I just, and you just your service. To say hi, and I, I might call again. Well, please yeah. do call him. I'd love to talk to you again, Myron. Call when the women are here. And thank you for your. When we All talk right, about other. We talk about military people, but you look at the postal service. Oh workers. God, yeah. You know they keep this country moving. Yeah. You're right. They do keep the country moving. Remember the food drive tomorrow too. That's right. We yeah. Got our yep. food drive. So yep. We're picking up food for the homeless and everything. So. Yeah. That they're, is a terrific. They're picking. Deal. They're picking up at my condo. They've had a poster up all week. Wonderful. All right, Myron, get back to work, and hopefully uh, we'll talk to you very soon. Thank you so much for calling in and for your kind words, Myron. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. All right. All right, thanks. Bye. 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 Myron, postal worker calling in. Yeah, we, yeah, have, we have tons of people who call in like that, just out of the blue, and just feel connected enough to say, you know, I really like what you guys do and say. That is very nice. And and he's right, though. Without women here, it is weird. Yeah. <laughs> and it is weird not to have any women in because it's a big part of the show, obviously. Right. No sooner had Tiger Woods won the Masters and Nike was out with a nostalgic ad celebrating his greatness over the years. At the Wall Street Journal, Jason Guy, or Jason Gay, excuse me, worries that it's a sign we're about to make the same mistake all over again with Woods, mythologizing him into a superhero. Well, he's a bit more mature now than he used to be when he was a little yeah. kid. But I was going to say, I think... In the past three, four years, Tiger has gone, and you saw it in his celebration with the Masters. He he kind of went. Oh, Myron's he, getting in his car. Yeah, <laughs> we're still good. <laughs> we're, we're getting butt down right, by Myron. <laughs> He's still Myron. You haven't hey. disconnected yet. Got to hang up. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I need to. It's a good thing we didn't rip them while we yeah, saw them. Myron, what a jerk. Adjust the uh, That's phenomenal. cordage anyway. But um, Oh, okay. But you could see I have a feeling I know when he first is. won, he wanted he gave the fist pump and he wanted to go through the old tiger stuff and then he caught himself. And he became subdued almost. Yeah, he did. I agree with that completely. And I think he, um, is my microphone on? Yeah. Doesn't sound like. Oh, there it is. I got to yeah. lean into a little bit more. Thanks. But there seemed to be the... a internal. There's an internal fight going on within Tiger. Oh, I don't think there's any question about that. And I really, really was angry and talked about this quite a bit when Tiger Woods got the Medal of Freedom from President Trump. 
he deserves every bit of it because he brought look he was a great example of how young people can work and work and work mm-hmm. he's been working at since he was three years old two yeah. years old i think he he's uh brought young people into the game of golf There's he's no brought doubt about he, it. he's brought education programs to young people I, i'm not just go going to go as far as say i think i think he has a school but i'm not going to say he definitely he does. has a, no, a I think school you're right. i think you're right i think he does and he you know he and he does it all quietly he doesn't beat his chest about it this that and the other he has that golf tournament that raises money for underprivileged children and whatnot right right and um, but I think the one thing that we got to see firsthand here in Minnesota was at the um, what's the golf uh, thing English USA? Um, no, the British Open. No. Oh, your Ryder Cup. The Ryder Cup. Yeah, right. Um, he took his captaincy very was not the assistant captaincy very. He took it as being very important. Yep. But you also, from that point on, you saw the fellow golfers treat him differently. Yeah, that is very true. And when he won this Masters, they all lined up, hugged him, high-fived that him, shook his hand, whereas in pass, there was nobody there. No, you're absolutely right about that. And I would say this, the people that called him an Uncle Tom for going to the the White House and accepting yeah, the Medal of Honor, you people are disgusting. Yes, because that's not a – that is not – I mean, yes, uh, President Trump put it on him and gave it to him, but that's not a President Trump medal. No. That has been a an honor given to people over the years by you know, by by past presidents for years in this country. You are correct. And I said there shouldn't not been anybody who should have said anything about it. No, and, right. and it's not right. and it's not a time and place for him to uh, politicize uh, it either. Tiger. Which he did. Right. Which he didn't. You he you ingratiate, ingratiate yourself to the president and the people who were there, and you move on. Yep, I agree. Speaking of moving on, ladies and gentlemen, we'll talk to you next week with the family.